Good morning. Good to see your happy, smiling faces. Ready for the word? Amen. I mean, I must admit I got pretty excited uh, as I was uh, studying this uh, during the week and a little bit of last week as well, because I want to follow on a little bit from where we were last Sunday for those who were unable to be here. But we touched a little bit on on warfare through worship, warfare through worship. And we, we talked about a little bit of the battle at Jericho. Remember the, the plan that God gave them uh, to destroy Jericho? You know, it sounded really dumb, you know, from a human perspective. But when you come from God's perspective, nothing's impossible, isn't it? So often, but often we come out of that human perspective. I know how to do it. I'll do it. And then when it all goes wrong, we go, Lord, can you help me? And uh, so we kind of turn things around. And, but if we go God's way, 99.99999% of the time it works, if not 100% of the time. But what touched me about this psalm that, that Max uh, read to us just a moment ago is why I love to worship. This is why I love to worship. These people who lived in Jerusalem, lived a beautiful life. They had a wonderful, wonderful life in Jerusalem. They were free to worship. They were free to play their harps. They were free to have their choirs or or whatever it might have been in the temple, in the sanctuary. They had the freedom to do that. It was wonderful. But now circumstances had changed. Everything had changed. It wasn't as a, as a result of COVID, by the way. It was a result that the Babylonian army had come upon them, had captured them and taken them away into captivity. They knew they were going to be there for a long, long time. They, never, they knew that once they got captive, that's it. They'd be there for ages. As you probably gathered, I love to preach. That's a pre-beard one. All right. See how handsome that face is and I've covered it up. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Why do we cover it up with a beard? I don't know. But I believe it's a gift that God gave me. I may not be the best preacher in the world, but I know it's a gift that God had given to me. I knew that even at the age of 15, that God had called me to preach. I can't think of a moment, I can't even imagine a moment that I would not be able to do that. I can't think of a time. I can't remember a time that I've been so devastated by life's trials and both Annie and myself have gone through some some trials. If anybody's in ministry, they understand trials, I can assure you. And we've been through some of those. But I've never, I can't think of a time when I've lost that desire or my love to worship God. I can't remember a time. I can't imagine a time when I thought, I've got to put this gift down. I can't worship anymore. I can't think of a time like that. It's been a part of my life now for over 60 years. I love to encourage people through preaching, if I can. I love to see people grow in their faith. You know, if, if we're not going to grow in our faith, then what are we doing here? What are we doing in life? 
if we really don't want to grow in our faith. And so part of the responsibility that I stand before God with is that somehow, somewhere along the line, over this time that I'm with you, you'll grow somewhere, somehow, in your faith. And, and, and in some form, be released. Be for release from past bondages, from past hurts, or whatever it might be that's causing you not to grow. You know, sometimes we grow outwardly. In other words, people think we're growing, but in here we're dying. And I want to bring that out into the open and say, come on, we can get rid of that. We can, we can have those bondages broken in our lives if we want them to be. But I can't imagine what it would be like, as this, in, this Psalm 137 explains it, to hang, hang the gift up in the willow tree, which was a sign of weeping, which was a sign of, of sorrowing, and never use it again. I can't imagine that. I don't know if you can, but I can't. Church, when conditions change in our lives from being a really positive time in our lives to being kind of a negative time in our lives, that's when the devil steps up. And that's what we've got to be looking at. When are we allowing the devil to have authority in our lives when God has the authority? But he only has the... The devil only has authority if we give it to him. You need to understand that. Another word for the devil, and I think I've used it here before, is diabolos. Diabolos means the whisperer of lies, the silencer of the teller of truth. How often does he do that? How often does he whisper into our ears, you're not good enough. You'll never make it. Our church is better than that one over there. And he uses that, by the way. Or he, he hides the truth from us. In other words, he will block our eyes and our ears so that we can't see the truth, so that we can't hear the truth. He's the blocker of the teller of truth. Over the years, he has silenced many people, including pastors. And one that I'm convinced of is the prophet. He stopped the prophetic word from coming out. And that's how, the, that's how the children of Israel, that's how the early disciples moved through the prophetic word. When we feel defeated or discouraged, he simply says, just hang it up. Hang your gift up. Come on. It's not being used. Satan's goal is to discourage you. How often do we get discouraged? You know, something goes wrong and we get discouraged. We don't go to church then. So what he does, he isolates us. And if you're feeling discouraged this morning, then you can be assured it's not coming from God. It's not coming from God. Because he uses people. The old devil, he'll use people to discourage you. He'll use circumstances to discourage you and bring you down. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to distract you and cause you to stop worshipping. He will get you to think of what's been happening during the week. You know, oh, man, alive, this happened to me during the week and I'm thinking, oh, what about next week? And we come with all these distractions because that's how he works. Don't fall for it. 
Don't fall for it. This is what happened to God's people. See, the harp was an important instrument to their worship, especially corporate worship. When they came to worship in the temple, they played their harps and the people sang to it, just like we did this morning. I think you're more of a guitar or you are up in the air and harping. I'm not quite sure. But uh, struggling, struggling playing. That's all right. But hey, that's what they did. They used their harps to worship, just like we use instruments to help us to worship. Take all the instruments away, and sometimes we really struggle because some can't sing. Some are tone deaf. Don't ever sit next to a person with tone deaf. It's really hard to sing. But we're all different. We're all different. Everybody hasn't got a wonderful voice like uh, like some people have. Sorry if my voice is a bit croaky this morning, but I did watch the football last night. I must say that. I must say that. All right. (laughs) But here they were hanging up their harps and saying, it's finished. It's all finished. You know, God's not real anymore. God's left us. God's deserted us. That's what they were saying. Can I just say to all of those here, even this morning and those who are not, who minister, who minister on the worship team, but also those who don't, for whatever reason that may be, if you're sitting there and you know how to play an instrument or you love to sing, you need to get on the team. You need to get on the team, not because we want you, but because God wants you to. It's all a part of that, you see. But don't let the enemy try to convince you that you shouldn't be on it. I'm not good enough. I can't play like these guys. I can't sing like these guys. I can't run a data projector or the PA system up there. Hey, look, we've got a guy up there who's 150 doing the PA today. (laughs) He's he's deaf. He didn't hear me. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) But we're... No, don't pick on the PA people because they turn you off. You see, that's the problem. I know. I know. But we need younger ones as well. We need people who know how to do things like this, to to put up your hand and say, hey, I can be a part of worshipping unto the Lord. You see, you don't have to be up here. You can be down there and still worship God in your gift, in your gifting. It's important. But that's what I love about worship. And, you know, I, I find it really difficult when, Somebody might ring up and say to Leanne, for instance, oh, I don't feel like doing it today. And that throws us into a spin because then we've got to figure out how do we fill that gap or how do we go about doing that? It's not about feelings. It's about gifting. It's about using that gift for God. Maybe he's telling you that you're not good enough. Don't listen to him. Maybe he's telling you that because you've been hurt in the past, that you don't want to be a part of it anymore. Don't listen to him. He's a liar. He's a blocker of the tellers of truth. You are good enough. Sure, we've all been hurt. But the Bible says even when I've not been knocked down, I've been knocked, I haven't been knocked out. And he lifts me back up again. That's the beautiful grace of God, the wonder of the gentleness of God. That's how he works. That's the old devil working in you. 
And it's time for us to defeat him. God is not looking for perfection. He's looking for heart. He's looking for the heart. Folks, worship is a weapon. That's what I want to get across to you this morning. If, if, you, if you don't get anything else out of this today, understand worship is a weapon that we can use against the enemy. Hear it when I say this. Worship is not just praise and songs and hymns. It's a weapon. It's a weapon. And we use things like that and other things, and prayer is another thing that fights against the enemy. It's a weapon. We invade the devil's territory. Satan knows more about prayer, uh, the power of worship, than anyone here today. He knows more about it. There's no doubt as you read through Revelation, he was the kingpin. He was the leader of worship in heaven. So he knows everything there is to know about worship. But pride got into his way. And God had to throw, it out of, throw that pride out of heaven. Sometimes that is how he gets us, with pride. He knows worship is our most powerful weapon. He knows if he can defeat us personally or as a church congregation in this arena, we lose our song. This is what the psalmist is saying. They lost their song. You lose your heart for worship and he disconnects you. He disconnects you from the heart of God, but he also disconnects us from people, from the congregation. And so we find ourselves getting further and further away from attending church. Is church the be-all and end-all? No, it's not. But the Bible says don't neglect the coming together. Why does he say that? Because he knows we need to be connected he knows that. God knows that, that we need to be connected. And the enemy knows that if we do get connected, he's getting defeated. That's why I encourage you, come. Not because I'm preaching, far from it. Not because we've got a great worship team, because we need to have that fellowship, that connectedness with one another. Why do you think many rock concerts are so charged? They're worshipping, but they're worshipping the wrong person. You only have to listen to or understand some of their songs and you'll understand who they are worshipping. Worshipping Jesus is so much more powerful, I want to tell you. The Bible says, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. You know, there's sometimes in battle, whatever it might be for you in battle, where you feel like you're going backwards, the enemy's coming in against you. But the Bible says no weapon formed against you will prosper. In other words, the end result is he gets defeated. The end result. When we praise God, we build a bridge from earth right up to heaven. That's when we worship. We're building this bridge up to heaven. Worship is like connecting to the source of heaven, if you like. I remember reading a story of a pastor and a dear gentleman, older gentleman, who came to him and said, I feel useless. I just can't, I just can't do anything anymore. I'm too old. I'm deaf. Um, all those types of things. And, 
And the pastor saw this man's heart. And so he said to this man, he said, hey, we've, we've just uh, lost the person who would uh, vacuum the, the church auditorium. Would you, would you like to do that? And the man's eyes just lit up. And he said, I can do that. I can do that. I, I've, I've, I've vacuumed before. And so the pastor said, well, come with me. So they went to the, the cupboard where the, the vacuum cleaner was and he got the vacuum cleaner out and he plugged it into the wall, switched it on for the man so that he knew how it all works and all that type of thing. And the man started and he was just enjoying vacuuming around the seats. It was just like, oh, I found my place again. About a half an hour later, the pastor came back just to see how he was going. And when he got into the auditorium, he noticed that this man had this strained look on his face. He was really, really struggling. He was not even getting anywhere as he was trying to clean up around the seats and all this type of thing. And, and the pastor noticed that, that the plug had come out of the wall. And because the man was deaf... He didn't realize that. And so instead of making a, you know, some type of joke about it, the pastor in his humility went over and pulled the lead and put it into another PowerPoint and switched it on. And all of a sudden the man's eyes started to light up again because he was connected back to the source, to the power. Worship is like connecting to the power source of heaven. But we need to be plugged in. We need to be plugged in. I know that over the life of my ministry, I, I've tried to preach a sermon that I knew that was unplugged. Unplugged to the source of heaven. In other words, I thought, I don't need you, God, I can do this. It was terrible. Disastrous. Not only for me, but for the congregation. Because if there's no anointing on it, no power source on it, then we go home unchanged. And we don't want to do that. We want to go home and say, Lord, this is what I got out of that this morning from you. That's what it's all about. Praise and worship brings revelation. It then allows the gifts of the Spirit to operate in an orderly fashion. Unfortunately, Satan has strategically led us to believe that miracles and the gifts of the Spirit died when the disciples died. That's rubbish. That's not biblical. I'm sorry. That is not biblical. It's interesting. I remember coming out of a church that I was involved in where they didn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit, didn't believe in miracles. And when one of the elders got really sick and was diagnosed to cancer, they brought the church together to pray for his healing. And I'm going, hang on a minute, you don't believe in healing. The interesting part about it is when they did pray, he was healed. You see, the gifts of the Spirit still operate even today in all those areas, in all those areas. Worship will show you who God really is and God rises up and the Lord reminds you who you are 
And Satan trembles and he flees. Once, once God shows you who you are and you take it on board, you believe it by faith, Satan will always flee from you. Oh, he'll come back, but he'll flee. As you worship, God gets bigger and the enemy gets smaller. Amen. He runs. When praying people get together, warriors start to emerge. That's what I love about it. That's why we need to come together even tonight. And I want to encourage you to come tonight at 6 o'clock. Six to, no, 7. 6. 6 to 7. <laughs> I just had it back to front. It's all right. 6 to 7. And let's, let's, as it were, get on our knees before God and let's be warriors of prayer and worship. And let's see God work in this place again and again and again and again. You know, I was talking to Ken last Sunday. We were a bit, bit afraid about asking for revival. Because I tell you what, when revival hits, look out. Look out. It's always scary when you pray. Isn't that right, Josh? Don't pray to go to indigenous people because that's where God will send you. So I pray, God, don't send me to Hawaii. Please don't send me to Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> but we need to pray, folks. And, and, and look, it doesn't matter whether we're old or young, we can all pray. And it'd be great to see the place packed in there tonight with people who are saying, I want to be a warrior for worship and praying. You see, as you worship, you're actually redeeming that which the devil stole from heaven. We're restoring it back. Remember, Satan used to do this. Well, now we're going to be doing it. We're going to be worshipping for eternity. And you know who the focus will be? Jesus. He's the focus. Not some old guy up the front or, or a younger person with bald head up the front. But Jesus is our focus of worship. Folks, we need to be a worshipper. And we need to be warriors of worship every time. Second Chronicles 20 says this. This is when King Jehoshaphat was going out to war. I'm going to pick it up in chapter 20 and verse 20. It says, So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe in his prophets, and you shall prosper. Then he goes on in verse 21 and says, And when, and when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness. As they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercies endure forever. These singers and musicians weren't people who were only prepared to play in the sanctuary on a given day or every now and then. Not at all. They became warriors of worship. They headed the battle. And that's what I love about our worship team. They head the battle, folks. They come in early on a Sunday morning and they start preparing in God. This is where we're going, Lord. This is the battle out there. And as we come in, we join with them as the army of God. Isn't it interesting? They're on the battlefield before the army. 
So in other words, if the spears and the swords and I remember one minister saying and the, and the, and the rifles and the guns, well, they didn't have them in those days, but when they came, they were the ones that would get hit first. They're on the battlefield and they're in, enabling us to come into the battlefield with a little bit more safety. They become warriors of worship. When we gather in the sanctuary, the church on a given Sunday, this is just a building, by the way, and we worship together, we gain the attention of heaven. I don't know if you understand that, but when you walk in or when you worship, we gain the attention of heaven. Now, remember that your body is the temple, the sanctuary of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Spirit dwells within you. The throne room of God is in your heart. That's where we worship him from. The tremendous power of worship is in our hands. God uses your hands to bring worship before him. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. As people called to be the, the army of God, we can easily become POWs. We either become prisoners of war and end up in captivity, hanging up our harps and we, on the weeping willows and, and, and sighing and, and crying and, and all those types of things and being disappointed because of our past failures or because of our, of our uh, disappointments in life. We can do that very easily and people do. But it's time to take the harps down and if we do, we become people of worship. People of worship and move in the freedom of God's Holy Spirit and walking in the authority of Jesus. But it's up to us. It's up to us. Let's not allow our identity to be defined by your circumstances. Allow Jesus to define your circumstances. You are a child of God. You don't need to, be, to feel inferior to anyone. I know what that's like, being inferior. I've, I've felt that for many years. You know, we had the opportunity of, of going to the Christian college this week. Ten years ago, I would have trembled because I saw, I saw Wayne over there is this big, huge, I was going to say org. What's that mean? <laughs> Terrible, scary, scary because I spent most of my time in his office. So he became a scary person and teachers put me down. But when you know your identity in Christ, all that can change. And so I can walk into a school like that this week and go, it's okay. It's okay. I don't need to be scared. I don't need to tremble. And when Wayne started to walk towards me, I went, he's a good mate. He's a good friend. See, we, we've got to allow God to say who our identity is. Not us and not the world. Because the world will try to put you into a mould. Your identity is a child of God. You've been adopted into the family of God. You've been adopted. That's a privilege to be adopted into the family of God. Don't allow where you are to define who you are. Worship right where you are. Do not allow your, 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 uh, your, your location to, divide, to, to define your purpose. Don't allow the times we are living in to define who you are. 
Only Jesus gets to define who you are. We need to stop complaining and start standing and worshipping. When you stop standing for what, what is right, pure and true, you sit down in your troubles. Don't trade your heart for a handkerchief. Stand up and declare you are a child of God. You are not a victim. You're a victor. God calls you by name. He calls you by name. Did you understand that? He knows every hair on your head. He knows even the ones that have dropped out. He knows them all. That's amazing when you look at some who have got plenty of hair. He knows every single one of them. But the beautiful part about it is he knows you by name. He knows your name. He doesn't say, hey, mate, come here. Hey, I love her, come here. He calls you by name because he knows you intimately. Finally, worship is your hedge of protection. The enemy's first target is your worship because it's your hedge of protection. When Job went through his trials, what did Satan first attack? He stole his animals. Why did he do that? Why did he start with his family? He started with his animals because his animals were his source of sacrifice. The animals were what he put on the altar. Often when you make that, that conscious decision to lay something on the altar for God, Satan will attack it. He'll attack it. Often when people come forward to the altar on a, on a given time to surrender something, that's when he'll try to attack you. He'll say, you didn't really mean that. You're not serious about that, are you? Everybody's laughing. Everybody's looking at you. Everybody's thinking, oh, big sin in their life. No, no, no. That's the lie. That's the lie. Satan attacked Job's hedge of worship, and that will be his first place of attack for us. So we need to worship anyway, regardless. Often we will wrestle with the arch enemy all night, tossing and turning and, and shedding tears, lots of tears. But my Bible declares that there's joy in the morning. There's joy that comes in the morning. Worship gets us through the night and into the morning. As we look at what is going on in the world at the moment with this pandemic and, and, and the dispute that's going on with, with China at the moment, the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq and Israel, Boy, if ever there was a time when we, we need to worship, it's now. It's now. I believe that the church is going through the same things as the world is going through. And I have this sense that the world is asking the church for a song of hope. They're asking us, what's this hope you're talking about? Or they may not do it overtly, but they're saying, what is the church really on about? There are people in their droves who are turning to Jesus. Maybe not so much in Australia because we think we've got it all. But you go to some of the other countries, third world countries, and they're turning to Jesus in their droves because Jesus brings hope. He brings hope. In Acts 16.25, it says, But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. In other words, they were worshipping God. Even in the midst of trial, 
Even in the midst of hardship, they worshipped. Even though they'd been beaten, spat upon, placed in chains, they worshipped God. And it goes on in the next verse and it says, and the rest of the prisoners were listening to them. I want to tell you, church, the world is listening to us. You might not think they are, but they're looking and they're listening and they're wanting hope. Maybe it's time for the church of Jesus. Excuse me. The church of Jesus Christ to rise up collectively and worship God, regardless of what's happening in the world. And let the rest of our community hear us. And I know in a few weeks' time, there's going to be a combined service of our churches. We need to be there. We need to be there in our droves. And we need to lift up our voices lift up our hands or lift up our feet or whatever it might be and worship God and let the world know that we serve Jesus. Regardless of what the state government want to squash us out of, praying for people and even praying for our own children in a certain way, regardless of that, we need to worship God. Maybe it's time to stand and to worship our true and living God, not the God of religion. I have this struggle sometimes when I meet with families outside of the church, they'll say, are you religious? And I go, no, no, I'm not. I'm a Christian. I actually follow Jesus. That's religion. I said, no, it's not. It's a lifestyle. It's a relationship that I have. Jesus is the only true son of God who came to this sinful world, sent by his father to redeem us back to God. That's what he came for. This is what communion is all about that we had even this morning. Jesus endured whipping. Jesus was spat upon. Had a crown of thorns placed upon his head. Carried his own cross. Was nailed to it. And if that wasn't enough, even after he had died, he'd given up his life for us. They thrust a spear into his side and blood flowed out. That was for us. Because without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. And Jesus has paid the price. Amen? He's paid the price. Why? Because he loves us. He loves us with an everlasting love that will not let you go regardless of what denomination you've been brought up in, regardless of what country you've come from, regardless of your background, if you love Jesus, he's not going to let you go. Never, never, never will I forsake you, the Bible says. Let's pray. Oh, Father, I pray that that spirit of worship and Spiritual warfare will just grip our hearts. That you will turn us into warriors of worship. Oh Lord, I, I pray that you will, you will not stop until we break through into the heavenlies. Until there's a crack in the heavenlies or until we experience, Lord, that, that open heaven. 
God, I would pray for a breakthrough in this fellowship here today. A breakthrough in each relationship, each family. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bind the enemy from touching any of your servants here today, any of your families, including here at the next-gen church service as well. Lord, I ask for a breakthrough in our worship, both personally and corporately. Lord, for our homes, our churches, our township, our nation needs to turn up in a way that we've never seen before. Oh, Lord, Lord, we need you more than life itself because, Lord, without you, there is no real life. Jesus, let your presence fall even now in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, manifest your presence. Lord, we're tired of the occasional drip of your spirit. I want to see the heavens open, that you would pour out your blessing in such a way that even the people passing by would come rushing in here just to be in your presence. Oh, Lord, we long for that. We long for that, Lord. We are hungry and thirsty for you, Lord. We want to make a difference even in our nation for you. Lord, start with us. Pass through this way today, Lord, and touch our hearts for your glory. God, we really desire a fresh revelation of yourself. Not something that happened years ago, something that we've read about from years ago. But right now, right now, Lord, come. Come, Holy Spirit. Move in our midst. Allow our spiritual ears and eyes to be open unto you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.